Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download, and with me as always is Mike Davis. What's Yo. up, Mike? Hey. hey, hey! And we got our producer. Hey, Ma- hey. <laughs> we got our producer Matthew Dillner in the house. He's responsible for these cool intros. We got a lot to talk about, so let's get to it. <laughs> it did it again. He gave Dillner credit for the intro. <laughs> Dillner's going to be upset Dang again. It. Dang it! Listen, we've got a lot of Ask Junior questions this week. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know how your off weekend went, what you do over the Easter break. And by the way, I want to congratulate you on announcing NBC's fantasy game five hours That's before right. they were ready to do that. <laughs> and by the way, I think there's a celebration in order. Happy anniversary to you on the on the first career cup win Oh yeah, this day 18 years ago. That's does, crazy. Does it feel good? Feels good. So let's talk about it. All right, let's do it. Do you have any big plans for the off weekend? Um, Easter? Take a seat on the couch. It's time for the Dale Jr. Download. He's a wizard, I tell you. Dale, uh, did you have a good (laughs) off weekend? Did you have a good Easter weekend? You know, it was really uneventful. I, um... Usually we do a lot of things for Easter, but me and Amy were thinking since this is the last one that we're going to have before our baby gets here. So this is our last, you know, every holiday after Easter, after this Easter is going to be a holiday with three instead of two of us. It's a big change. Right. Oh, yeah. I know. So I was thinking about how it's taken me to this point in our relationship and marriage to where I feel like I got a pretty good system of being able to remember what to do, when to do it on these occasions, you know, when it, holidays come cruising in, birthdays, anniversaries for certain things. And now, as soon as I get it sorted and get it right with, with having Amy in my life, uh, we're going to have this little girl, and now i got to remember a whole other slew of responsibilities yeah, it, I think it's even more than a master reset. It's like you've got to recalibrate your entire mentality on things. Yeah. And, and, and there's no way to really explain that until you just have to I know. You get thrown in the deep end on that. I um, know I'm probably not even realizing the be- the scope of the whole deal. But, yeah, just, just like I, it, I was terrible at remembering some of the smaller things. And I'll give you some uh, uh, some things that helped me, but – for example, the first Christmas that me and Amy had together while we were living in the same house, we come downstairs and her stocking is empty. <laughs> and mine is overflowing. Oh, boy. Stuff pouring out of it, stacked beside it because it can't fit in there. Panic time. And I'm like, I'm looking at mine going, hell yeah, who did this? And she's looking at hers going, did you not feel my stocking? I'm like, I didn't know I was supposed to Who, do that. I didn't get the memo on stocking no, stuff. Yeah, I had no freaking <laughs> idea. So, you know, to all all the girlfriends, all the fiancés out there, you might want to clue your guy in. He might not know. Don't take it for granted that oh, he yeah, – He doesn't know. He don't know. No, he doesn't. And, Amy, I, I mean, I was – I felt terrible. That's the first <laughs> thing you notice when you come downstairs is a stocking. And – Nothing mattered the rest of the day. The stocking had set the tone, and, boy, we've never forgotten since. Me and LW actually have a 
kind of a, a deal where we get together every year the day before Christmas to buy all our stocking stuffers, and it helps both of us kind of remind, remember to do it because it's our thing we do together. And uh, so I've good, good that you give yourself plenty of time doing the day before Christmas. I know. We well, don't worry about it. You're not going to have to worry about it anymore because it's all going to be just for the kid now. Well, we'll see. I'm, well, I guess, my, yeah, that's my point is now that I've sort of gotten that figured out, I've got a whole new set of responsibilities during these holidays like Easter and Christmas and so forth with our little girl that I'll flub the first year and screw up and get wrong and take me a while to sort it out. Amy says that they have apps for these things, though, that remind guys uh, when to do what they're supposed to do. That's what my wife says, too, but I forgot her birthday two years in a row. I was at Holy Kentucky mackerel. this year, dude. I don't know how you're And still I talked to her. I talked to her on the phone, and I get to the track, and somebody was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's your wife's bir- birthday. Tell her I said, you know, happy birthday. And I'm like, and they're like, what? I'm like, oh, crap. And they're like, go call her. I'm like, Already, already did. <laughs> I don't know how you're still sitting. Here. I've been worse than that <laughs> two years in a row. Listen, Kevin Harvick loved to remind me of this. Years ago, we were in New York, so this is, gives you an idea how long it was. We were having our postseason banquet stuff in yeah, New yeah. York, right? And I'm sitting there, and for some reason, I'm at a table with him and a couple other people. I don't think you were sitting there. Uh, you must have been doing something. And and I'm sitting there, and uh, my wife calls, and we she start talking, and we start talking. We're like, "Hey, how's it going? Good." We we been you been busy? Yeah, man, we've been busy. We'll be busy. And then so we carry on for five minutes and she goes, Happy anniversary. <laughs> and I mean I was like, Oh no, that's today. Yeah. And Harvick just la- like he was rolling in the floor about this. And he's like, Man, he goes, he put he took his wedding ring off wedding ring off and said, Look, it's on the inside of my wedding ring. I'll never Ooh. forget. Y'all are making me nervous. Want me to check my calendar right now? <laughs> it, you don't that, know what you're missing. Not, when know. you leave here, what's you're in trouble. Up? What's, what's coming up? That I forget. Well, um, you know what? Dillner and I were talking about this earlier today, and this is the thing that I will tell you is that, like, I went on a on a weekend getaway just with my family this weekend to the beach. We go camping every year. Took your old yeah, campers, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I send you a picture every time we do it. Uh, and it's like, did I get? real pure enjoyment out of this weekend because people go like hey did you have a good time yeah i mean i had a good time (laughs) you rested Uh, no not at all and it's like (laughs) you know what i don't recall a vacation since i've had kids where i came back feeling rested i actually came back more tired and it made me think and i was telling dinner this and he agreed with me big your your priorities and your mentality on just off weekends and vacations have changed with kids, where you used to want to just, you know, really kind of rest and unwind. Now it's like just creating moments for your kids. Just give them some memories. Or with, me, it's, memories. with me, it's like make sure their heads don't fall off yeah, or something and, and, bad. And, yeah, off. and make sure they don't get <laughs> Make sure you don't end up in urgent care. And I've, I've failed on that one a couple times. But it's like, you know, like we are at the beach and they're wanting to swim in the ocean. And all I can think about is don't let them get washed out to sea. You know, or eaten by sharks. or eaten by a shark, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just like kids, man, change your whole—not enjoyment, but the way you have to find enjoyment in other places and vacations and off weeks. I think is what I'm trying to say. Sure, I know, right? Yeah, I'll be curious after a year. Let's make a note on this, Dillner. Yeah. April, one year, April second or yeah, third. You know, yeah. When when we come back and do this show, we'll ask Dale how. How's your, vacation? How's, your, how's your vacation? How's your vacation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. All the vacations from here on out are going to be different. 
It's going to be cool, though. There's yeah. going to be aspects of it that are way more badass than, yeah. than, than ever. But there's going to be aspects where you're like, man, I need to take a day off or something. Yeah. <laughs> have a, so the kids get watched by somebody. So go yeah. have a few cocktails. A year ago, when I <laughs> a year, all my friends have kids, right? Yeah. A lot of people, most everybody I know has children, and they constantly are sharing what's going on in their lives with their kids on social media. And a year ago, didn't care. What? Whatever. Yeah. Okay. You and your kids are doing whatever you're doing. And now, I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm watching it, going like, man. You that's know, I'm like, yeah. Let's go. That's cool, man. Their kids did all. Oh, everybody's happy. Like, like who's? Who? Give me an example. Who does it a lot? Oh well. Um, Amy's family. Like her sister has a little girl. It's one yep. year, about a year, sixteen months. So we watch videos she puts a lot of her stuff and shares it with us on on instagram and so forth and we watch them like we're just amazed and just so funny and oh she's so cute and a year ago i'd be like yeah what you know get them out of here whatever <laughs> every you know everybody posts pictures of their kids da, 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 da. but now like larson uh sean's yeah. little boy you know i'm amazed at watching anything that they're doing with him or whatever he's doing and his reaction to it a year ago i didn't care yeah. It's crazy how having a kid yeah, makes a you now. it makes you appreciate yeah. other people's kids too. You know, it's just before they were just annoying, right? I don't yeah, now you I, care. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I hurt to admit, but yeah, <laughs> like I could care. <laughs> I've less. had kids for nine years. Is this what you're trying to say about mine? <laughs> well, so for eight years he could care less. Yeah, <laughs> now, now he cares. <laughs> <laughs> got it <laughs> it's okay listen to be honest with you i get annoyed by that stuff st stuff still so yeah. it's all it, you'll go through phases, phases. you'll go through sick uh, i'm going cyclical i'm in the phase of i love you're, you're seeing other people's in. kids yeah. and them interact with their parents and you even sent me an instagram message this weekend because i posted on my insta story a, a little squabble between my that two was daughters. so funny though but i wasn't the only one that liked enjoyed that i saw a friend of yours uh, McGee saw it. And he thought it was hilarious. Oh, he did. Yes, but he didn't say nothing to me. Well, not everybody. Say, yeah, that, that's oh, the you, one thing about you're, not. Now every, you're talking about other people's kids to other your friends. Now he mentioned it. <laughs> gotcha. I, but just because somebody didn't heart your thing doesn't mean they don't like it. A lot of people look at it and don't even think to heart. Oh no no, it was an instant story. You can't I know do that. It. You so can. we're calling it heart now. You can you can comment? We're calling it heart now and not like whatever like heart Hello. whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying like so tender. A lot of people. We'll read. This is a whole other conversation. <laughs> a lot of people, whatever you're putting on social media, don't be upset if uh, you know it doesn't get all these likes and hearts. And oh, not I, that you were. I wasn't right. I'm just saying, like McGee liked it, but his his instincts aren't to yeah. say, hey, hello. I was sitting so there. Funny. On, I was sitting there on the beach, Dylan. <laughs> I was uh, videoing my two daughters on the beach, and then they started throwing sand at each other. And I said, okay, I know how this one ends. Oh, he, he oh yeah. And, it. and I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a minute later. I had my youngest screaming at my oldest. He called the shot, man. And I just said, yep. And I, that's the the great thing about that is an Instagram story. He had confidence to send that first one out he, that said, I know how this is going to end. Yep. I did. <laughs> Can't wait. That'll be good to show him in about 10 years. It's hilarious. So, listen, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that you got in front of an NBC announcement. Yeah. Can, can we give you a little bit of a hard time? Are you going to get upset about this? No. Okay. So Good. <laughs> I but do this a lot, so. You, be, so, can we just set the table here for a second? NBC has this idea. Yeah. And Dale Jr. is a new employee to the team, as we as we know. 
And they had this idea, and they sent out an email. First of all, there was a phone call today to discuss all this, but I don't think Dale was able to be on it because he was at a production, right? I, I was at a production for Hellman's. Yep. But I, I could have been on it, but I forgot. I, f- I could have called in. I totally okay, so you up, owned so you, it. I, I was gonna, you owned it. Okay. He, he's owning it. I was going to uh, – I wasn't even going to go there. So – because I might be halfway to blame for that. That's why I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they sent also a couple different emails to – all of them, like Jeff Burton, Steve Latart, Landon Castle, Parker Kligerman, all of them got this email. Yeah, the 20 NBC employees and personalities and got they, this email. And in the email it says, like, here's what's up, here's what you're going to say, but don't get in front of it tonight at 5 o'clock. Meaning don't mention anything about don't it. Don't mention it in NASCAR America. I find humor in this because, like Dale just said, this ain't the first time we've done this. <laughs> this ain't the first time. And also Dale has this personal policy, which I had, I admire. He does not like to delete tweets. He does not delete yep. tweet if you can help I, it. And there are people that have asked him. Yeah. He thinks that it actually defeats the purpose. If you delete a tweet, it looks even more embarrassing, and you actually call more attention to it. That being said, he tweets out today the, the uh, details to this game five minutes before. And Landon Castle, because Landon is Landon, he called Dell out on Twitter. Now, fill in the whole And what did, what did he say, too? Well, he told Dell we weren't supposed to say this yet. And he goes, we had an email that clearly said, and Dale said something like, ah, I just skimmed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a fantasy uh, NASCAR game that all NBC wants all its employees to be in. And so they were a bunch of emails going around to all of us about how to sign up and when they were going to announce it and all this stuff. And, I, you know, I'm I'm frantically trying to do it, get in there, get signed up, get my name and all that and do what they're telling me to do because we're going to start this weekend. At Texas. So what I want to know while you, while you're doing this is in the email. So, though, all right. So Parker, I'm on Twitter and Par- I'm basically sitting around at the, off- the the doctor's office with Amy and waiting. And I see Parker Klingerman has tweeted about this fantasy league, and everybody join. We're all going to be in it. Da 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 da. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Parker's tweeting it. I'm going to tweet and get that over with. So he jumped the restart. Yeah. And I'm gonna tweet my tweet that I'm supposed to tweet and uh, tell everybody about it. So I'm reading my tweet to Amy, and she's like, yeah, it seems pretty good, so I send it out there. NBC Sports NASCAR America Fantasy League. That's the league. NASCAR. NBC Sports NASCAR America. Okay. So join the league. Then I see Landon and Parker going back and forth, and I look, and Parker's deleted his tweet. And I thought, oh, no, we (laughs) sent it out too soon. Because I remember something popped in my head about the email saying not to say anything. <laughs> oh, so you saw the part in the email? Yeah, but I just forgot. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? Parker's tweeting about it, so hell, I'm just gonna go ahead and tweet about it. If he's tweeting about it, I'm gonna tweet about it and be done with it. And because I'll forget later tonight to send my tweet out. I think it's kind of cool because we got to talking about it and screwing around and goofing around and picking on each other a little bit, and maybe got more people kind of listening and looking, and maybe more people are gonna join that fantasy league now. I love how your options are either let me tweet it out early in your head or <laughs> I'm going to forget. Like that, that, that's like, this is like the two, the seesaw in your head is going, yeah. just get tweet it out, it out now, now or I'm going to forget later. <laughs> or I'll never do it. It's I'd already, <laughs> well, I'd already forgotten to be on the call. So I was not feeling yeah. very confident about myself remembering <laughs> to tweet this at five, after five o'clock. You'd and, rather hit 500. Yeah, than, I was like, than I've already, yeah, I've already missed the call. I re- obviously, uh, this is not on top of my priority list. There was this moment probably today <laughs> in Stanford, Connecticut. They realized that the uh, honeymoon is over, and this is the Dale Jr. that they just signed up, <laughs> right? The one that's like, eh, you know what? Yeah. I'll forget about it later. I'm gonna just go. 
just sit that thing <laughs> sailing right now. <laughs> yeah. Just zip it on out there. <laughs> yep. But it was all good, right? Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like you brought more people to attention to it than the we'll uh, see. You're right. We will see. Yeah. How many fantasy things can you be involved in at once? You're still playing draft I'm dropped, stuff. Yeah, I have the draft. I'm in playing some DraftKings, but um, you know, I'm, I'm playing like uh, just a ha- you know a couple half a dozen bucks or something, nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to learn how it works before I start losing too much money. But I'm backing out of two fantasy leagues this year in the football side. You of are? Things. Yeah. I've got four, and I'm really in more than I want to be in. I got too much going on. See, I used to be in Preach. like five, and I I got out of it. But now the apps are so good where yeah. I'm sucked right back in because it's I'm so on, easy. Yeah, I'm going to do two this year. It's basically my friend's league and then the couple's league that we have. I'm going to get out of, and I haven't even told him yet, but I'm going to get out of the Matthew Berry one, that, the celebrity league. And uh, there was a team league with HMS for the 88 car, and I'm probably going to get out of that too. Yeah, I just ain't got the time to be messing with it, and you're gonna ha- you're not gonna have time to mess with two. To be honest with you, but that's a prediction that I'm making that you'll find out later. Well, I, wait, I, I promise you. No, 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 I disagree. Because, dude, <laughs> I do half of my fantasy stuff when my baby, yeah. when Annabelle's like at night or whatever, I'm doing the fe- feeding, and she falls asleep, and you need a little time. I just take that phone out, and I'm like scrolling through my Yahoo, and it's yeah, I'll be able to find the time. That's sure, that's when you y'all do gonna it. Suck you'll find in your out. league though. No, because I make my moves at I've late been, at night where nobody else is. It's I've awesome. I've been pretty sucky. What do you want? You want to do the top three game, Matthew? Yeah. Uh, so here's the deal, man. Um, uh, I was thinking about show content, and I literally had a dream about it. And I woke up thinking, okay, man, I got this all. I got this all, and I forgot all about it. So I was like, what the heck can we do in the show where there's no racing? My nephew always used to stay over my house. And at night, he'd just sit there 20,000 times. Give me your top three favorite this, top three favorite that. So I figured it'd be fun if each one of us picked out a top three. We didn't talk about this at all and and ask a top three favorite of something. So um, you want who, who wants to start off? Top three. Okay. Think back to when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. The top three ass whoopings, troubles, pa- parental discipline. Oh, boy. Gotcha. Okay, I'll go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has plenty to choose from. Yeah. Now, is it g- giving gonna, or receiving? I'm just going to name three, and you really they could be receiving. any of them. All of them have uh, all of any one of them could be number one, two, or three. Okay, they were all pretty severe. Um, I stole eighty bucks out of my dad's chart. <laughs> <laughs> I stole eighty dollars out of my dad's change jar and bought no, a Game Boy. No, <laughs> Game Boy. Oh my gosh! That's yes. a, I, hey, back then, dude, it was hot. Teresa put locks on every door in the house after that. <laughs> um, how much trouble did you get in? Oh. Teresa put locks on every door in the house. That, that's that was it. pretty damn embarrassing <laughs> and shameful. Um, I figured I was she just locked, does that for decoration. I was literally locked out of every door <laughs> but my own. Um, I brought home a long uh, sheet of homework or or classwork that I had not done for the week. That got that brought the belt. Mm. Um, oh, daddy. From the intimidator. God, the belt from daddy was oh, terrible. <laughs> what would that be like? I don't it, – it was as what you would imagine – Oh, what did I imagine? He's got a big it's buckle like as a handle, so the it's seventh be good. circle of hell is what I imagine. Yeah, it was awful. Oh. I mean, seriously, like they probably don't ever end. 
It would end. <laughs> it would end. Yeah. The next day? <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That would be relentless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so The funny thing is, you say, like, hey, times you got in trouble, and he's just like, I got him. Well, he's those like, are the two. Yeah. He's the, got he plenty. Was a, he was a, he I mean, was a problem kid. Yeah. I Not guess. a problem kid. He was a, a bit of a rebellion. Mischievous. Yeah. yeah. A rebel. I ride around. Um, I mean, I got sent to military school for being. <laughs> yeah, that's top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was sent to military school as punishment really for being. I was getting expelled from Christian school. I had been written up so many times for talking to class and just being a jokester and not paying attention and not listening. And if you got rode up a certain amount of times, they were going to expel you. No questions asked, no matter how severe the, hand, the write-ups were, and I'd had the, the amount that you needed. We were uh, taking a break for Christmas vacation, and when I came back, I would be expelled. They were going to expel me. And because my last write-up was processing at the end of the, after the Christmas vacation. And so my parents decided to take me out of that school and send me to military school as sort of a last-ditch effort to figure, you know, get me to, you know, figure it out. And it did. It worked. I liked, I I credited military school with being so good for me. Um, not I'm sure it's not for everybody, but it taught me a lot that I was really, really close to leaving Mooresville for my senior year's in high school to go back and do my senior year at Oak Ridge where I went. But mm. I just really thought it was a great experience. The first year, I mean, first year, first half a year, I went in my seventh grade year, the la- the last half of my seventh grade and all of my eighth. And it was hard as hell being away from home. You know, you cried for a couple of weeks, missing home real bad. That was the hardest part of military school. I would assume that it was all the everything else i mean everything that comes with military school well you got to remember you're doing it with a lot of other new kids too you're not by you're not alone and every kid there hates being there hates the situation yeah. and and uh, and you meet a lot of kids that are, that are in there for really freaking bad things you know there's a lot of you know there's kids out there that are there's kids that are in that school because they can't stop shoplifting or, yeah. or they do that and they think that there's nothing wrong with shoplifting you know just stuff like that, and you would be with kids that just had no structure in their lives, you know. And you were, you know, you were roommates with them, or they were living down the hall, and you know, you were all kind of going through that experience together. And you made it, you made the best of it. You know, we would, we did a lot of fun things. You know, we would, we would fight with the other dorms and roll their dorm in the middle of the night, and uh, <laughs> we. I remember going around the, the, all the bathrooms and filling the bath, filling these little duffel bags with rolls of toilet paper to go roll the dorm that across the street. That like military school. That sounds like summer camp. It was. <laughs> At times, it was like summer camp. I mean, we just, you know, you, you're kids. You're going to goof off and try to go against authority. Can I tell you a story real quick? And I know this breaks away from our top three game, but I want to tell you something real quick. We went, where we went vacation this past week was very close to Paris Island. Do you know what what's on Paris Island? Marine, no. Marine boot camp. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And so we were like, hey, there's a museum. It was a rainy day. And we said, hey, there's this Paris Island Museum, and there's some stuff about the Marines. Let's go to the museum. So we went and realized that we got to go through a couple checkpoints. We're like, well, that's weird. I didn't know it was near the military boot camp. Near it? No, no. It's on it. And so here it is. I'm driving down this road, and I've got my two daughters and my nine-year-old, and they've never seen anything like a military base. Or certainly like what goes on at military, or marine boot camp, right? 
and we are driving, and all of a sudden, there is we pass this drill instructor that is just dressing down this guy, right? I mean, and then we go down the road a little bit. We're just going to the museum. It's on the base. I can't. Fa- I cannot figure out how this is even possible, right? Yeah. And we go past this other one. There was a, a female drill sergeant who had this girl in a sand pit, and he she was like punishing her, and she was having to do these up downs with her hands in a sand pit, and and she was just like in her face. And my daughter yeah. was like, "What is going on here? We got to leave. This is not good." And I'm like, "Hey, listen, if they start shooting at us, duck." And your wife's just like, duck. "Drop them off. Drop them and, off." And, and but it was a mate. We were on oh, Marine yeah. Boot Camp base. How'd you get in there? No, it, the 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 museum is on it. You can go to it. It's open to the public. Oh. It, it's, it baffles me, and I can't explain why, but I would urge you to go to it the museum. It just sounds because like you were in a secure secure area. And how, like, I'm just imagining in my head like this is kind of like um, Christmas vacation, but the family goes to, <laughs> stumbles into a military camp. Anyways, it was good for the daughters to see what is out there to send someone to. <laughs> Come on, Davis. Uh, top top right. three, man. Uh, of of punishments, I, I was generally a good kid. So I, I know that uh, like grades – like I. I, One of the things that still stings I want that is, last statement retracted from the because none you know none of us believe that first what that I was a good kid no, nobody believes that anyways I never it's in your opinion dude the the worst I got is uh, <laughs> I was because I made a because I made a C on a report card I got taken off the basketball team and that was that Damn. was horrible for me yeah uh, and that was for my dad I mean that wasn't from the school so that makes sense to how your game is a little <laughs> yeah I missed a couple games a now games. now I'm, it's it's really hurt. It, it, it's it's transpired to how I play in the Dirty Mo Basketball League for sure. That stunted um, stunted your ability. Let's see. In uh, in college, I got in trouble uh, with a professor for cheating, which was you know, oh boy. A big deal. Yeah. Let's hear some details on this. Well, like, um, I, uh, I I copied somebody's work, and I did it. We were copying me and a buddy of mine who was on the soccer team, and we're in the hallway, and it was just one of the things. I'm like, oh man, I didn't do it. I forgot. Hey, dude, you know it, this was a thing that we would do. You know, and so, and so, so you've done uh, it before. But and you just so, got literally, I I've got his paper and my paper, and I'm in the we're sitting in the hallway before class, and I'm literally copying it, and then I look up and she is standing above uh, over top of me. Damn, oh, uh, that was terrible. Yeah, and so that was a big deal. Um, and to, to be honest with you, I think I got yeah, yeah. That wasn't the only time I got caught cheating in college. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, we'll it, that at that. I had this little Spanish three problem that uh, I couldn't get couldn't past get without past a little help. Spanish three. I yeah. mean, that third Spanish is hard. Dang straight, it's you hard. Think, I mean, you think I don't after, even remember after the first or second one, you've learned it all. There's more. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. You make your jokes, but I will tell you, I was I was struggling. What is so. in Spanish three? Once you've learned one and two, that's pretty much all. Well, the Spanish. Speak it two, faster. In one and two, you learn the words. In Spanish three, you're supposed to put them all together and formulate a <laughs> sentence. I think. Good luck. In, in Spanish one, you count to ten. Spanish two, you do your ABCs, and then in Spanish three, you're supposed to make sense of it all. Yeah. I don't know. So I think that was. Uh, I, I can't think of. I mean, I was. I was a good kid. I want to say that even though I got in trouble for pulling all that that eighty dollars out of my dad's change jar. Oh. I was real proud of myself for the ingenuity because it was a big, you know, the big glass water bottles, the old ones. This is in the like the mid 80s. And he'd had this jar in his room for ever since I'd been there. And he threw all his pocket change when he'd get home from work or whatever in this jar. And I got the antenna off the car, put duct tape on the end and fished 
eighty dollars and quarters out of that. No, are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> little MacGyver here. <laughs> you should have been rewarded for that. I know it. <laughs> Not punished. The the uh, housekeeper told on me, <laughs> but Dad could see. You know, Dad could see the difference. Eighty quarters is that eighty dollars and quarters walk, is a lot. Yeah, that definitely made a difference in the level of change in that drawer. <laughs> you might have like been better to take like twenty dollars out of the time. Isn't it funny when you're a kid? How you think you have the perfect plan? Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, your parents, like, five minutes, they're like, oh, come on, you idiot. I see it happening now. <laughs> like, I see my daughter thinking she's outsmarted right. us. And I'm like, go on down this road. <laughs> just just humor me a little bit. Ent- entertain daddy here for a second. Let me see if you really think you're this smart. They do. They think they're that smart. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's so predictable. I can't wait to be on the other end of that for a, for a change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, that's, that is fun. Uh, I can't wait for you. I I want to see how your dad speech develops. Like, like how 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 you how you lay down the law. You're not gonna let not Amy gonna do all to that, are you? Laughing. It's hard, <laughs> yeah. especially like if you got like like my youngest daughter. She's so cute when she when she's upset, and and she's even cuter when she gets mad. I mean, I put I Insta story yeah. the other day. And it's like, man, it is so, like, I can't help but laugh. But, man, you're not going to let Amy do all the, you got to be the, you go, you got to have a little bit of this. Uh, you still got to be the boss. Smack down, the yeah, law giver. I'll do what Amy tells me to do. Oh, good heavens. Come on, you're going to be, you're going to. I'm sure I'm going to be really pissed at all. Uh, oh, yeah. Something. You can't let your kid run around like a, you know, lawless I will idiot. I genuinely ups- yeah. upset about some things, and I'll let her know it. I can't wait. I want to live this. I'm just going to live this like on the sidelines, just oh kind of watching. Like, I'll be like over here, and I'm like, okay, look. Uh-oh, y'all. Look, the, uh, little Earnhardt's done messed up. <laughs> Dale's going to be pissed. Uh-oh, Amy's pissed. She's more pissed. He's going to just have How's, that. He's now gonna have she's that. pissed at Dale. This is going to be good. She, he's going to pull out that fabric belt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, right. belt, the belt that I got was a championship belt. <laughs> you got sevens all over your ass. No, it was the 19th. You <laughs> it was the, I didn't get ass whooping when I was that old. <laughs> this was the 80s championship belt. It, it was a it was a leather belt and it had this white, this kind of a three. Leather, it had this white leather <laughs> lace on the uh, wrap, you know, kind of a fringe on the outside. Yeah, yeah. You can look at the pictures of the. It was a big son of a bitch. <laughs> God dang, he's got the Richard Childress three imprinted on his ass. There, yeah, he wasn't driving for Richard then. Oh, he wasn't. Nineteen eighty, Mike. Well, when was the? How old were you when you got your last whooping? You reckon? Uh, it had to have been in the mid eighties, right? Yeah, but ten. That was this was the belt he used. All right, the same belt. Oh, that that belt feels like it hurt. You know what? All right, Denner, what did you do? Oh, me. Uh, I didn't. Well, I, my dad always said if you um, if you ever start a fight, you'll be in more trouble than you'll ever know. But you can finish mm. one. Mm. So I got in trouble. I got um, I got uh, out of school suspension for five days because I kind of flicked the toggle switch uh, because uh, some kids jumped me and I went off on this kid and beat this poor little kid up pretty bad. But but you didn't start it. I didn't start it, man. He jumped me, so I finished it. But uh, okay. I, I'd say the one that stands out for me, because I don't want to go too too long on this, would be um, I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, Mrs. Lundgren's class, and my favorite race car driver was Charlie Jazombeck, modified racer. And for a year or two, I had his Ernie Willsburg number five modified in my Trapper Keeper 
um, uh, pencil case. It was this clear pencil case. And I put that, cut this picture out of a stock car racing magazine or a circle track. And I had that thing in there. Perfect. And, uh, and he passed away in a, in a race in Martinsville. And that year, I remember this kid just relentlessly bullying me and picking on me. Man, you got a, you know, dead guy's freaking picture in your trapper keeper. And he kept on. So I just got pissed and popped him in the nose and got sent down to the principal's office at a Catholic school, which was a nun. It wasn't too nice and got in trouble with my parents. And once I told my parents what it was about. They eased off on me, but I'm still in trouble with school. The Catholic school, man, it'd be hard not to get in trouble. In a that Catholic kid never, school. hey, that kid never picked on Charlie Jazanbecker or me again. I bet. <laughs> I can see you. I see those Dillner boys getting in a few fights. Yeah, yeah. We, we most Dillners used to get. I'm, I'm more laid back now. South's done good for me. Good, thank goodness. I hate to have to fight you, today, you know, up here in the office or something. <laughs> All right, this is good stuff. Let's throw it to an Exalta Race Center update. We'll be right back. This is the Exalta Race Center update. I'm Natalie Sather. We hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable Easter holiday. All NASCAR series were off in honor of Easter. Both Cup and Xfinity will compete at Texas Motor Speedway this upcoming weekend. Junior Motorsports late model drivers Josh Berry and Sam Mayer will hit the track this upcoming weekend as they are scheduled to compete in the Cars Tour event at Wake County Speedway in Raleigh, North Carolina. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, visit exaltacs.com. All right. This week, uh, there was an article that was interesting. I don't know if you read it. Dustin Long put out an article um, about age limits in racing. And this is just an interesting topic, no matter what part of the sport you're in. Uh, there was a 13-year-old, uh, Jake Garcia, who became the youngest driver to ever run a late model at Nashville Fairgrounds at 13 years old. And what I find interesting, you, you field a car. You know, uh, Sam Mayer is in your late model program. He's a 14-year-old. And there's a lot of capable young drivers out there. But this brings up an awesome debate. Should there be an age limit to run late models? You know, when does it stop? Are we going to have 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds running late models and not coming up through bandos and, and mini stocks and, you know, things like that? What's your thought on it? I never, you know, I... I have a hard time believing, uh, you know, when we go to Millbridge that they have five-year-olds in go-karts out there racing competitively. You know, I, I, I find that just crazy. But I've seen these dads get these kids in carts at three years old, you know, and take them just to run, you know, laps in the driveway and get the kid understanding what a line is, what a lap is, what the group, you know, how to create momentum and driving the right get in the right driving line and and it's so interesting i guess what these kids can understand how they can know the ins and outs of racing at that such such a young age and they can you know it it just depends on what they're exposed to when they're young you can't expect a 13 year old you're just going to take that age as an example but you can't if you've got a 13-year-old that has no experience in racing, has not been around racing, I think it's quite dangerous to put him in anything like a super late mall car or late mall car, anything anything like that, and and put him out on the racetrack. If this is, if this is a kid that's raced go-kart since he was four or five years old, that's a little different conversation. I mean, he's got a ton of experience driving race cars or racing competitively. There are... I'm sure some guidelines. We're we are going younger and younger and younger and younger. There needs to be some sort of a structure that 
the is put in place to keep this from getting out of hand. That's for sure. Um, what would you suggest? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I have enough information about each case. I think you'd have to think about limiting age. There's so the, what I think about is there's so many freaking just for, take super late models for example. There's so many different series yep. around the country. How do you get them all to obey a set of guidelines where the, these kids will just go find the series that they can compete in? You know, people are going to jump through the hoops to get their kid out on the track. So you can't, you're never going to get all these super late model series and, and organizations to abide by the same rule. Th- uh, th- things are different, though, because I mean, let me interrupt you there. Cause yeah, go ahead. You, I mean, I, I think you started in a, in a street stock. Yeah. Right at, at Concord, your first Bush Series race, you were twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. the The whole trend seemed to to go younger and younger and younger in our sport, especially with Jeff Gordon, who was eighteen, I believe, in nineteen ninety when he started his first Bush race, not his first full season, and that's when the trend started. But you you grew up where you drove a street stock. You graduated to a limited late model type car than a late model. You know, the progression I'm seeing lately in racing is these kids are running go-karts or a bandolero and they're going right into a full-fledged late model. That's my question. Is that right at such a young age? Yeah, I think that there needs to be some guidelines put in place to keep this from getting out of hand. I think that it's going younger and younger and younger. It's getting to a point to where people are starting to talk about it and bring it up, and it's a topic of conversation, so I think it definitely needs to be addressed or considered. Uh, some some kind of guideline needs to be considered to keep uh, the progression natural. You know, there's a lot of times when there's people that are on the racetrack that don't belong out there, yeah. and it happens in bandoleros, it happens in late models, it happens in the truck series, it happens in the arc series. I mean, we see it all the time. Even in the Cup Series at times, um, in the last 20 years, there's been a race or two where a guy maybe shouldn't have been there, you know, out on a track. So we question the eligibility of drivers all the time, no matter the series, the age. So I, you're always going to have that. You're never going to fix this completely, but maybe there should be some sort of expectation placed upon these parents that your kid needs to be on this track you know, as far as their progression from here to here to here uh, before they get, you know, into something at such a young age. I, I just, uh, I believe, it, you know, a 13-year-old kid driving super late models, you know, wh- wh- how old do you got to be to be able to get into a truck? How old do you got to be? Uh, 16 at the short tracks, yeah, I believe, and 18 at the speedways. Well, if that's the case, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then the the father's looking. If the guy, if the dad's like, "Hey, I want to get my son into the truck series, and I got the money to do it, and he can race," they're already, you know, thinking that far ahead, going, "Well, he can be in a truck at 16. Getting in a late model or super late at 13 is not really all that big of a deal." Is it crazy though? I sometimes. What are you concerned about? Their safety or their their uh, mental capacity to be able to handle a, a car i don't understand and just, i, didn't I guess i'm just a, opinion opinionated on it you know uh like it just seems to creep down lower and lower and lower and there's some accomplished race car drivers already at 14 i yeah. get that uh it just seems like there needs to be when does it stop is my my concern but what but what is the concern is what i'm asking 
My concern is two things. Safety of a, of a child, of course. Safety of a child, okay. And second of all, the health of our sport. When instead of having, you know, uh, a short track series that are a mix of veterans and, and, you know, upcomers and this and that, you got a bunch of, you know, rich 12-year-olds uh, out there just, uh, you know, being plucked and put into late models when they don't belong in there. I, I like the school of seeing a kid come up running a, a dirt car, a, a, you know, a bandit, you know, a, a beginner's class in a, in a full-size type race car. Yeah before they step into something as powerful as a super late model. And that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm too old school on that. What, is, the, what is in between bandoleros and late models, super late models? You can run a, a host of things. You could run uh, Straight stock. You could ch- choose that. You could ch- run a limited late model, say, up here at Hickory or something. Or um, you can you could run a, even a Legends car, which uh, isn't a full-size car, but gives you definitely that uh, power-to-weight ratio uh, edginess, uh, you know, not the balance it, you know that you would need in, in a heavy stock car, but give you that progression at least. Just my just my opinion. I wanted to know. That's the whole thing about this. I wanted to know your your take I, on it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we it, all have opinions on. Yeah, it. I mean, that, there's going to be rare occasions. I guess not everybody's trying to put their 13 year old in a car. This is one kid. Yeah. And there needs to be someone in every – you're never going to get all these series to do the same thing and abide yeah. by a set of rules. So hopefully in each series there's a guy, a steward, or somebody that says, I, I can't allow this. If he sees it to get to a point to where you're like 10, 11, 12-year-old, so forth, and he just – he looks at this kid's body of work and says he has not – he doesn't have enough experience to be here. Hopefully the right people are running those those uh, those series – and those organizations to be able to make the proper decision and not just, you know, let a, let all comers, you know, come on in there and, and uh, make a mistake. At the same time, look at William Byron. Like, he came in, ran Legends cars, then right into late models one couple Crazy. of years. You know, just he went right up the ranks. And I just look at him as an anomaly, though. I know we've said that before. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen anybody in this sport in my 40-something years of existence come in with no experience i know but nobody's good as as he has yeah i know but a lot of guys don't get that opportunity you know it's not because i mean there's a lot of people and william would probably tell you this that could do it too do the same thing given that same opportunity to go from series to series to series but literally late model truck you know he went from late models to supers and sort of trucks xfinity cup all in a matter of like four or five years yeah you give that same opportunity to a lot of accomplished short track drivers and they'll probably more often than not show uh, the same amount of success that he did. I just don't think that a lot of people have, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But what I think I'm trying to say is that if you look at, at William Byron's progression, that argues for the kid to get that chance at 13, 12, you know, 14 years old to be in a late model. I don't know whether I have a problem with that, you know, 13-year-old or not. But I think – I don't know who this kid is. Yeah. I don't know what his history is, where he raced, did he win, was he good, was he smart, did he make good decisions on the racetrack. The one thing I do know, if if he doesn't belong there, he'll get called out pretty quick. Then the mistake of did we bring him up, bring him up too soon lies on the – you know, that's a responsibility of the people that were guiding his career. All right. Y'all ready to move on to Ask Junior? 10-4. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. 
All right, Ask Junior, a bunch of fans chiming in using the hashtag Ask Junior. Uh, Patrick Kinzer wants to know if Wrangler were to sponsor you for a throwback NASCAR throwback weekend at Darlington Xfinity Series, would you do it? I'd love to run Darlington again, and that track's definitely on my list of considerations when we look at running more races. And if Wrangler pays for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. All right, the uh, next question is my favorite, I think. Uh, Nick Graff wants to know, who could party longer without blowing a motor? You or Clint Bohr? <laughs> yeah, me, easy. <laughs> Clint blows his motors pretty early in the morning. Is that because he's burning the right rear off, or what's the deal? Or you I don't know. Like a, Some people just – 500 mile or you? He, he's like a – he blows his motor to make room. That's all. <laughs> he, he blows the motor. Clint blows the motor to make room and keep digging. Yeah, I he just put He just pulls that motor out, puts in a new one, and keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steph says, uh, being that you will be eligible for the Hall of Fame in a few years, how do you feel about the voting process? Uh, do you think it's done right? Do you think it's fair, not fair, uh, too few put in or too many put in? I don't really know. I, I, I seems as like it's working as designed. I, I really, I'm, I'm really uh, not quite sure exactly who all's involved in the voting, but um, the the one thing that I uh, think that it's hard for people it's hard for the hall of fame to do is get all the right people in there you know so when we first started the hall of fame i was like man the first class should be like 25 guys but <laughs> you can't celebrate everybody the way you want to in one night and there's a lot of guys that might there's a lot of guys that aren't around anymore that belong in there that are getting sort of passed over because of people that are going in that are newer are still alive. We remember, you know, we remember the more recent accomplishments. A lot of people, maybe a lot of people that weren't around or are alive when some of these other guys were doing what they were doing. So we've forgotten or, or what they really, their impact on the sport isn't as, uh, I don't know, isn't felt as strongly. That's true. As that's 100%. Should. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's the, that's one of my favorite parts about the NASCAR Hall of Fame is when people get in there, and I don't even know their story. I just know their name. But I have no idea why they're even in there. And when you hear what they did, I know you kind of feel dumb that why you didn't know why that didn't already. Know that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, everybody's going to have this. Everybody's going to have different opinions on this. Yep. And, and it's not this. I'm not sitting here standing on a soapbox saying this is right. This is the way it should be. But. There's a lot of guys that belong in there that aren't in there that probably weren't going probably going to have to wait another round or two and probably shouldn't have to wait another round or two. There's some guys in there that that got put in that belong in there, you know. And the guy everyone who's been voted for and has been inducted belongs in the Hall of Fame. There's just only 5 seats a year and there's probably, you know, 10 to 20 times more deserving people, you know, than that than will get inducted and it's just uh it's it's tough to it's it's tough to sit and be patient right to, to to that all you know for all these guys to get get what's due to them all right last question here uh joe wants to know what's something important that you forgot to bring to the racetrack during your career like Shoot. have you ever forgotten like your helmet your gloves or something stupid i went to a race in the xfinity series and had forgotten my shoes and borrowed a pair from adam petty and I won the race. I think it was at South Boston. I still have the shoes. You still have Adam Petty's shoes? Yes. That's cool. That's a that's a great. Well, he wasn't going to ask for them back for sure. No. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, after I had worn them, <laughs> all sweaty and all that mess. 
Yeah. But. So I've never forgotten my helmet, and and it, I got to a certain point in my career where I wasn't responsible for that anymore. For people that are, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, there, there's a interior guy for most teams. I'm sure there's not one for every driver in the, in the garage, but my interior guy, Adam Jordan, was the best interior guy in the whole garage. He just came off the road the same time I did. He was incredible, and his job was making sure that the interior of the car was the way it needed to be, and we had a lot of things in there that we had we had we had to work on and continue to work on. But he was responsible for the helmet and where it was, the earplugs and where they were, the gloves. It was awesome. He was so good, and uh, everything. There was never a nick or a scratch on a, on a visor, or everything was just perfect. For all those years I worked with him, a driver will be, if you have an interior guy, that's the one guy you're going to be the closest with on the team because he is in control of everything you, within your reach, you know, and you're, you know, you and him work with where you want things to be and where you want buttons and switches and how to trim things down and make everything simpler and if your seat's comfortable or not and, and where the headrest is and do you want to try this and that and the other. And I, I, when I was going through all my stuff with my concussions, we made lots of changes in my car to try to make it better, try to make it safer. And moving that seat just a quarter of an inch is a real pain in the ass. That seat's bolted in that car in eight or so different places. And to make that small change of the seat, or the height of the headrest isn't just as easy as making a new insert. And so a lot of times we we could just make a new insert, but a lot of times we had to move a lot of things, and I, Adam never once complained. That that question also reminded me of a time. I remember when you were doing your handprint and footprint in Daytona Museum for being yep. a Daytona 500 winner, and for some reason, I can't recall exactly why, we ended up having to borrow Dale Jarrett's shoes to put the uh, to put your foot in. Do you remember that? Nope. You don't remember that at all? No. Yeah, your your footprint, wherever that thing is these days. For the Daytona 500 win from 2004? 2004. So this would have been 2005, so I put my, 2006. Put, so I put on DJ's shoes? Yeah, and we were supposed to do it like at the media day the next year, and we did. Oh, yeah, you were wearing your shoes that you were going to race, not put in concrete. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, we were wearing it, shoes so we didn't bring an extra. Race. That's right. We didn't bring an extra pair of shoes, and that was probably my fault, actually. And uh, no, I probably didn't like I only wore one pair I, when, once I got a pair broke in, I didn't like wearing it. You know, pair, shoes hurt. Uh, the the driving shoes hurt until you got them broke, broke in. Broke in, right. And yeah. so once I got a pair, I wore the same helmet, the same shoes all the time, the same gloves. I'd wear the same. Well, that's why Juan Pablo used to have uh, his guy yeah. break in his shoes for him and his gloves a new pair every week. Yeah. Is that right? Gonzo. That's interesting. I wore the same shoes all year till the damn things were really? falling apart. Yeah. I wore the same pair of shoes all year, the same helmet all year. The same gloves as long as I could till the gloves wore off, wore holes in them. That's interesting. Because oh. once they're wore in, they're so comfortable. Yeah, who, who got time for some new gloves? It was shoes? stupid because now I don't have. Well, the thing is, is people are like, people call all the time, going, "Man, let's hel- let's swap helmets." I'm like, <laughs> no. I ain't got no damn helmets. I got one. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> they think we got a new helmet every week, but I'm like, damn, I ain't got no damn helmets to swap. I'd love to, but. And suits, I only had like three suits for the first half of the year, then another three for the second half of the year. Those get gone quick. Oh, yeah. Um, and like I said, I had one pair of shoes all year. Did you see that? Let's do, did you, did you see that? <laughs> I, I still did screw you, that up. Did, did you, you see I have that? not said that right yet. Wait, what is that? Like, that's all, folks. Did you see that? Did you see that? 
I saw something, Mike. guys. I saw something. I don't know if y'all saw this. I think uh, Dale saw it, but I saw something this week. Dale Jr. went at old Langley Speedway on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Langley Speedway. They no, just he complimented to, him at the end. They're just trying to have a race. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay. like, I did. He did I say something that. about, I'm glad that they're still holding you know, races and doing a good job. But. I am. All right. Tell us what happened. All right. So, they had a race this weekend. Uh, twin, I've been... You know, a lot of time on my hands. I'm not racing myself. You've been watching some short track racing, <laughs> yeah. man. I've been watching a lot of racing lately, and it's been great because I, I, on the weekends I just stream whatever's happening around locally, and uh, they were showing the the Langley race activities on Saturday night. Uh, they had a twins, twin, twin 75 lap feature. I was talking to Jeb Bush who was there. He had his car there. And so I'm watching the race, texting with Jeb. Jeb Bush? I'm sorry, Jeb Bush. I mean, Jeb <laughs> Burton. <laughs> I'm you talk- and Jeb Bush yeah, are talking about. Old Jeb. <laughs> He's going to be pissed. Jeb Burton. <laughs> me and him were chatting. <laughs> me and him were texting back and forth. And I'm watching the race. And <laughs> so we're watching the race. And Philip Morris, who's won four national championships, raced forever. One, who knows how many short track races. One of the best that's ever done it. So he's out there racing, and Falk is running first, and uh, Morris gets by him, wins the first 75, okay? They invert eight, and uh, Philip works his way back up through there, but then he starts falling off, and I'm like, wow, he must have burnt his tires up or something, but I didn't know it, but he had a tire going down. And they didn't show, I didn't see how he got spun out. I thought he spun out on his own, but they show him spun out up in the top of turn three and four. And um, I'm like, man, he's having a hard time with it this second 75. And there was a lot of wrecks in this. It was a wild 75 lapper. The second one was a wild one. And that's what started my tweet. I was like, I had some kind of gif, you know, trying to be a smart ass. No. (laughs) (laughs) So Philip. Uh, comes down pit road and comes back out, restarts, and drives by everybody and wins the race. Why? And I said, tell, tell him why. I did, I will. I said, Jeb, did they just let him put tires on? He goes, Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, That's not right, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was just started. I was like, I can't believe they let him put tires on. That is not, you know. You should be so the the racetrack tweets me back, like, what are you supposed to, I said, there's no tie rule? He says, what kind of rule would you have in that consi- certain situation? And I think I I said something about, well, it's not hard to have an old tire with a used up, you know, old wheel with used up tire on it in that situation. You throw that on there and send the guy back out there to finish the race. His race is done. And uh, they, I, I was blown away that they felt like, hell, just putting two brand new tires on and sending them out there was fair for everyone else who had been, scraping and grinding through that whole 75 lap race in my uh history every time you put a tire on you got penalized a lap and that should have been the penalty if they if he's gonna put on a sticker or anything relatively new is that he's lose he loses a lap per tire and that's just tough luck in racing in a in a in a race where you're supposed to race on the same set of tires um if there's no tire rule then let everybody come in and change tires Flat or not. So he cut, he cuts it. Apparently, the track said that he had a flat, a legitimate tire that was flat that they had. And they tweeted you this. Yeah. They yeah. said Philip had, had a flat tire that was confirmed by officials, so he was allowed to change the tire. Right. Well, he had a flat that was legit. Philip says they had to actually pick the car up. 
they had another tire with a piece of metal in it. And so he was allowed to change both of them. But that just gave him such an unfair advantage. And he wins walking away, and everybody, the track and Phillip are, you know, Phillip's obviously okay with it. Oh, yeah. I would be too. <laughs> I mean, if the if I'm in Phillip's position, I do the same thing. Yeah. I'm a, you know, a racer. And this is, I, Phillip is amazing. Yeah. This is the rule, the track's decision that I'm arguing. A little side trivia, Phillip bought a race car from DEI back when we were racing in the Bush Series, and I raced against him in uh, the Xfinity Series in 99. He actually beat us at Rockingham with our own car, a great little race car. But I've known I've known him and of him for a very, very long time. But I just could not believe that he came in there and got two brand-new tires and went out there, and he wins, and everybody's okay with it. The second-place car filed a protest. He They allowed the protest, but then announced the results official. I think uh, Lee Falk was in the race as well. Is that it? That's right. C.E. Falk? Or C.E. Falk, I'm sorry. What's, who's Lee Falk? Is there so, uh, so many that's damn if Falks? Lee, uh, that's if Lee Pulliam and C.E. Falk had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, C.E. Falk, he didn't. He, th- he was agreeing with me. I'm sure a lot of other people were too. But You said this smells. Yeah. And they said to you, just curious, how would you rework the tire rule for that situation? Yeah. And, well, you, and you said, ain't hard to keep a few wheels and disadvantaged tires on hand for someone like that. And uh, I don't think that you and Langley went back and forth after that. No. But that was that. Yeah. I feel like that, uh, I mean, I, this isn't new. This is, Yeah. I feel like that if you change a tire, that's a lap penalty. And if you want to, you know, and they could either do that, which is what tracks have done forever in a in a race where you're not allowed to change the tires, or they could make you put on a set of old worn out tires but that's even that's just a that sounds like too hard of a deal to sort of that's a yeah that's a judgment call and mm-hmm. you don't want those yeah i don't i don't care if you're changing a flat or not if you put on a sticker you're down a lap yeah put on two, i like that you put on two you're down two laps you like that i like it too it's what tracks have been doing for the last 50 freaking <laughs> years langley <laughs> that crap that that crap there is just not right i mean it ain't that guy that runs second should have been the winner of the race Here's another, did you see that? Don't know if you saw it, but Texas Motor Speedway was a subtweeting Kentucky Speedway's uh, Tire Dragon. I guess they loaned them the Tire Dragon. Te- Texas Motor Speedway was applying grip for their race oh, this weekend. But it was not that they were applying grip. It was where they're applying grip that is the problem. Yeah. So it- the Tire Dragon is basically this machine that, that uses racing tires to lay rubber down on the racetrack before the crews and the race teams get there. They've been doing this a lot of the repaves to create a racing groove initially on a brand new track. It just puts a groove down. Yep. Right? And then also they can use it to widen the groove, put in put rubber in a second groove. Kentucky's been repaved a couple years ago. They're uh, they're they're using this tire dragon still today. Coming up on this weekend's event, you got two questions here: Is it necessary to continue to use the tire dragon at a certain point after a repave? This track's you know got a couple years on it now. Is it do we how how long do you continue to use the tire dragon? The bigger question really is where do you use it? Where on the track do you use it? And this is I call I texted a few drivers and asked them if if I was sort of on the right track here, because this is how I felt when I was racing. Do not use the tire dragon in the groove. The race teams and the drivers will rubber that in all for you. The don't, natural groove, yep. the natural yep. line, the bottom, it. what else you're talking about, Where, right? Wherever they're going to run, 
Don't the, even use it there. Right. They'll do that. Right. Put the dragon where you want them to be, where right. you want them to go, where they're not going to go unless you use the dragon. So that's the second groove or the top. The top. Wherever else. You know, put the tire dragon, put that rubber down outside of the groove. Right. So that you, maybe the teams, and this is this is not unrealistic, but maybe the teams actually show up and start there and work their way into the natural groove. Applying the rubber where they're going to run in addition to a second groove just really defeats the purpose. They're going to run the bottom over and over and over. That that doesn't, the tire dragon does not work in the groove. It just lays rubber down. The cars work in the groove. The cars make the groove really serviceable. And if there is a, if they're putting that rubber down on the bottom groove, the guys are going to run there immediately. And that second groove is really pointless. You know, it is better because of the tire dragon, but the preferred application, I believe, would be to skip the natural groove wherever the teams run, which in Texas case is the very bottom. Skip that. Don't tire dragon that. Just tire dragon the middle and up, up the racetrack. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it seems like in every conversation, the narrative is always this. Trying to promote side-by-side racing. Side racing. Yeah. That's it, right? Side-by-side side racing. Whether it's a rules change, whether somebody did this, whether somebody's doing this. Yeah. It's, so you're trying to s promote side-by-side side racing to make a better show. So wouldn't you want to put in rubber to promote side-by-side side racing? Right. And that would be doing exactly what you said. So dirt – go ahead. Right. I'm, not a, I'm not a dirt track expert. I didn't run a lot of dirt. But at dirt tracks, they like to – when they actually get the track worked in – they like to work in the area where the drivers aren't running. Yep. So if you see a bottom shot type racetrack where everybody's sticking yeah. on the bottom and there's some track prep, they'll actually go and, and work the top groove and hope they to can, make they it can build a better a track. And, yeah, so you can have side-by-side -side racing. So if the bottom is working at yep. a dirt track and everybody's running there and a few, you know, first handful of heat races or whatever been all boring run on the bottom, yep. they'll go out there and prep the track and work on it some more and try to widen it out and increase, you know, the opportunity to race in the middle and top groove. All right, so imagine if you go to Texas without any tire rubber down, no dragon. Where are they going to run? They're going to all run on the bottom. That's the natural groove. Yep. All right, so when you, if you wanted to make a better racetrack, you would rubber in the middle or the high or side. Or the top. Not the racing groove. You feeling good about the Texas race this weekend now that you know the tire dragon? I'm going to eventually in, rubbering in the, uh, the the normal group. <laughs> what are you thinking about this weekend? You know, I, I really hope that uh, – Enough drivers are, are you know, they're using the council and so forth to communicate with NASCAR. If this is something the drivers are, are, are concerned about or think that would help, you know, hopefully they're using their channels to be able to talk, get through the racetracks. But it really comes, that, that tire dragon and where it's used is decided on by the tracks. Yes. Not NASCAR, NASCAR, not officials. Exactly. Not it executives. Is no, that's right. It's the promoters, the owners. They are the ones that are out there prepping the track the people that put the stuff down in the corner at bristol that's the track which Didn't i don't understand why wouldn't you want to if you were a promoter want side-by-side -side racing they and do want to do that which they do but then they do you something would, like that and i, I don't understand I, well the, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised at how how big the disconnect is you'd it's it you'd be surprised they want the best race that they can put on of course they do you just be surprised that they this doesn't cross their mind didn't charlotte motor speedway do this last year wasn't Charlotte one of the tracks? They applied that, the grip. They applied that spray. 
But all, but they they applied it uh, well, they where s- they were supposed to do the middle groove, but some they some the communication lines got confused and to prove your point, they went and sprayed <laughs> the bottom. Right, and then they went then they went in and pressure washed it off, <laughs> which it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> And uh, said, "Oh, everything's gonna be fine." But oh, so you're saying that was just a mistake? That was a that mistake they because okay, of they this. didn't do that on. Par- all There's right. a big. All right, so just if you even if even if you try to tell them where to put it, even if the 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 top shelf guys know, all right, this is where we're gonna put it. It doesn't always translate down to the man who's actually spraying it, whether in this case the sticky stuff or the guy driving the tire drag. Yeah, wow, you know, yeah. the promoter might be sitting in his office going, "We're gonna put it in the middle." But by the time the information gets to guy driving the tire dragon, he don't he'll he's going yeah. around the bottom. There's yeah. a difference between Boss Hog and, and Enos. There yeah. there's a disconnect there. Although you think Eddie Gossage would just jump at the opportunity to drive the tire dragon if it meant promoting his race and, and, and promoting. Hey, maybe you should next. Uh, yeah. Come on, Eddie man. You, you yeah, know, you I, come on, talk all the time. All right, you should so drive brings, the tri- tire dragon. This brings up a really awesome idea. All right, Eddie Gossage, and I'm sure he'll hear about this. He needs. To let Kyle Larson and Ricky Stenhouse run the tire dragon for next Texas. I Why like th- it. Let's just say it right now. I love it too. Why those two? They're dirt guys. They kind of know. Oh, gotcha. Track okay. Prep. Right, right, right. They, Got it. They have a good. I mean, I'm just taking them too. They like to hang out together. They had the funny stuff going on at the snow day in, in Martinsville where they're, you know, shoveling snow off the track and all that. I think it'd be a great pr- promotion. Uh, for the racetrack, I think also it'd be a great ex- learning and educational experience for the track promoters and owners yes. to get those two guys in there to prep that track. It does not give them any kind of an advantage, no. uh, but it also would be a great educational piece for the tracks going forward that are going to use this tire dragon because I really think the tire dragon has some uh, positives and merits. and. It could be used at a lot more racetracks if they were trying to work in a groove that's an alternative to the traditional groove. Say about maybe Dover. Go to Dover and put a ton of rubber down right around the wall yeah. and about 20 foot off <laughs> 20 foot off the fence. That would be awesome. And see if that's Ooh. where guys want to run all day. Yeah. You don't know. It might work. It might not work. Yeah. But it's worth diving into. And this is a way to start to learn and get educated on that kind of stuff. But let Ricky and, and Kyle do it. Because they know so much about track prep with the dirt cars, yep. and they kind of have a good idea, I think, about where they would, where that tire dragon needs to be used. Dear Mr. Gossage. Dear Gossage. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. <laughs> I guess it is. Uh, no heads up there. All right, white flag this week. Let me find our week. So you had a Unilever production today. Uh, we got some stuff to do Wednesday. That's assuming you remember to do it. That's a NASCAR America production <laughs> call. Uh, but we also got a couple things. We're working on a time for Dan Patrick. That'll be a fun call in that I feel uh, we can go ahead and promote, even though we don't have that nailed down yet. But we'll do that. It'll be on NASCAR America, 5 o'clock Wednesday. That's right. It'll be me and uh, Steve Letart and Dale Jarrett. Chris DeVoe is going to be All right. hosting. Nice. Dale Jarrett, Steve Letart, Chris DeVoe. That'll be a fun yep. show. Is it on that big table again? Yes. The square round table? Yes. The square, the square round, round table. The square round oak pine table. <laughs> right. I saw that last week where Kyle Petty was like, it's pine. It's pine. Yeah. But they call it the big oak it's table. It's been a okay. fun damn show. I've enjoyed doing it. Yeah, Looking y'all do well it. on that. And also, I guess we can go ahead and just let them know that there's a, a fantasy game, the NBC Sports NASCAR America Fantasy League that you guys can join yeah. into. Um, Dale, since you – you know, let all the information on that out early. Do you have uh, the information on how they can go sign up for that? NASCAR.com. 
There you go. NASCAR.com. Go do that. Join the NBC Sports NASCAR America Fantasy League. Compete against all of those guys. Then you got a Chevrolet appearance this week in Las Vegas. Yes. How Flying about out that? to Las Vegas to the Hard Rock for a Chevrolet appearance. Uh, I'll be there for a couple hours and then zipping on back to the house. Zip back to the house. NBC rehearsals this weekend. Yeah, so we're going to rehearse a broadcast on Sunday. Nice. For the you know, for the Texas Cup race. So this will be like a little pra- – people are like, hey, what do you do to get ready? What are you doing to get ready for this new gig? This is one of those deals. We're going to be in a booth uh, in somewhere in Charlotte, undisclosed location. Uh, me, Jeff Burton, Rick Allen, and uh, Steve LaTartan, we're going to uh, sort of do a rough – That'll be cool. Rough, be cool. A rough broadcast yeah. of this weekend's race. It'll be rough. It, it should be rough. Lot, no, I'm lot, kidding. Lots to learn. Yeah, that'll be cool. The other thing I want to just uh, put on the end of this – white flag is Wendell Jr.'s Ride. Yeah. Go to WendellJr.Ride.com to register yeah. and, and, and buy a sick. raffle ticket. You Go to my win. Twitter handle. It's a pinned tweet. Okay. First, I pinned that tweet. All the information is there on my Twitter handle if you want to buy a raffle for this car. I've been driving it around. It's badass. I actually drove it today over to the uh, Unilever appearance. It's got a crap ton of power. It's silver. Red brake calipers. Um... Got some cool beaded, uh, red bead of uh, paint around the wheel on these black wheels. It's just a really, really cool Corvette. Probably of all the cars that we raffled off, we've done a lot of vets over the last couple years. This is definitely my favorite. Uh, It's getting a little bit of pollen on it. I'll have that washed off before. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Well, hey, I'm driving it. Yeah, there you go. You know, we don't let these. It is when my ride. We got to get out there and take it on the highway. Yeah. Yeah. So we put some miles on it. Me and Amy go 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 to dinner or something like that. He's got to get rid of it because there's no back seat. You know what? He's uh, he's adding to his family yeah. now. So this this is not a uh, an efficient car for him. So it's WendellJuniorsRide.com, $25 raffle ticket. Go to Dale Jr.'s Twitter. He's got the pinned tweet right at the top. You can go uh, to read all about it there. And, and there's not an unlimited number of raffle tickets. There's not. There, you know, there's only so many. So make sure you get on there and get them bought. There's not an unlimited number. Right. I see what you're saying. You're saying, <laughs> yeah, there's not an unlimited. Why don't you just say there's a limited number? I could say that. There's that was a, a double negative. You there's a limited said, number. There's a limited number of tickets. Hey, so don't, don't not that, do that. Honestly, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's That increases your chances of winning is what that does. All right. Right? My it decreases your chances of losing. My is she texting you? My ride's here. I've got to go. Your bride's been here. She's yeah. probably impatient and ready to, uh, for you to get out it's of here. It's a great show. I think we had a lot of good content here. Well done, are, everybody. Another, another round of applause. People, like are, last week. people are going to enjoy this one. I get hope out, so. Get, I hope get so. Get out of here before, before you forget something else. Bye. <laughs>